Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of Sexology podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali, a psychologist and sex therapist. Today, we're kickstarting our much-anticipated series, The Summer Bucket List. This series is all about encouraging novelty and exploration in your sexual life. If you're familiar with my work, you'll know that I emphasize the importance of novelty in relationships. I believe it's a critical component that's often overlooked in many long-term relationships. In today's episode, we will set off on a journey to ensure you have the sexiest summer ever. We delve into expert advice from our previous guests, and I'll give you on how to implement these tips and behaviors into your own relationship. To accompany this episode, we've prepared a PDF. Make sure to download it. It's packed with invaluable information. Normally, such resources would be included as part of our paid programs, but as a token of my gratitude for your listenership, we've included in this episode for free. Remember, though, this is just a sampler of topics. In the following months, we'll dive deeper into some of the items on the list, bringing experts to explore these topics in depth. So let's get started on this exciting journey to a summer of enhanced intimacy and sexual discovery. First, let's talk about why novelty is so important in all relationships, especially long-term relationships. Indeed, it can feel a bit vulnerable to start trying something new, expressing your desires, or even just contemplating the idea of breaking the norm. But here's the thing. It's been observed that couples who bring in new elements to their relationship often report higher sexual confidence. This novelty can deepen your connection with your partner. You could discover a new side of them or yourself, and that can be wonderfully exhilarating. Additionally, injecting freshness into your relationship can alleviate feelings of sexual stagnation. This is particularly helpful for long-term couples who may feel like they're in a sexual rut, repeating the same experiences over and over. Think of it like trying a new restaurant. You might discover a dish that becomes a new favorite, or it might just be an average meal. Either way, it's not the end of the world. At best, you just add an exciting new element to your sexual repertoire. There are plenty of ways to introduce novelty both inside and outside the bedroom. A recent study from Canada found a correlation between couples trying new activities outside the bedroom and improved sexual experiences. Although it's not 100% guaranteed, it suggests that seeking shared novel experiences can promote connection and reignite the sexual spark. However, it's critical to ensure these new activities are mutually enjoyable. For instance, if your idea of novelty is going to Home Depot for weekend home project, but your partner loathes DIY, this approach may not work. Instead, consider activities like traveling, learning a new language, or trying a new restaurant. Anything that can bring mutual excitement and fun. 
Now, let's talk about how to select new experiences and how to bring up the conversation with your partner. First and foremost, I recommend you to download the PDF, share it with your partner. The ideas and strategies within this resource can serve as a helpful starting point for discussions. To facilitate these conversations, you might want to implement advice shared by Sebastian Harris in episode 331. He provided some invaluable insight on how to do it. Of course, all the relevant links to these episodes that I'm going to talk about during the conversation today will be included in the short notes for your easy access. But one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard somebody say, and this person was in a very long-term relationship, like I think married to his high school sweetheart. And he had this attitude that the best way to not fall out of love is to simply do this thing is to simply continue to do the things that made this person fall in love. And I thought to myself, yeah, that's actually really simple. If you think back, and that's also one of the first tips that I share in a private coaching session with a guy who's, for example, struggling in his love life, where yeah, where the relationship doesn't go anywhere, the sex life is not good, they might even suffer from the dead bedroom phenomenon, where I just asked them, think back to the time when you started dating. Like you were so in love, you were so into each other. What did you do? How did you touch her? How did you kiss her? How did you initiate? What kind of compliments did you say? And then often comes this realization of, oh my God, I didn't do these things for years or months. Why did I stop doing it? And I always say it's easier to not do it than to do it. That's why most people don't do it. <laughs> so it's an active, it's an active thought process of actually remembering, hey, why do I desire my partner? What do I desire in my partner? How can I express this desire for her? Or in case you're a woman listening, for him. And I think that's the beauty of seduction. It's It never ends, or at least it should never end. The happiest couples I know are the ones who constantly seduce each other, who constantly think of new creative ways of of yeah, inducing the sexual tension, the sexual energy. And it doesn't have to be something overly creative. It can be as simple as, for example, when one partner is doing the dishes, instead of sitting on the couch and watching TV, simply moving up to him or her, touching them, kissing them, teasing them a little bit. This alone can make such a huge difference in a relationship. Another straightforward way to spice things up is by changing the location of your sexual experiences. Today, we're merging two topics that many listeners have been eager to learn about, sex in the shower and anal sex. The environment where sexual activity happens can have a profound impact on your experience. A new location can invigorate the senses, promoting curiosity and discovery, thereby enhancing arousal. A change of scenery can make even familiar acts feel novel and exciting. A study published in the Journal of Sexual Medicine explored the prevalence and appeal of a variety of sexual behaviors. Among their findings, 81.7% of participants expressed interest in having sex in an unusual place. It goes to show how appealing the prospect of the novelty can be. Exploring different locations such as shower can be a great way to add a fresh spin to your intimacy. Shower sex combines the sensual experience of water with the intimacy of a shirt activity. 
As for anal sex, it's another way of exploring uncharted territories, pushing boundaries and engaging in mutual trust. The clip that you're listening is from episode 335 with Ness Cooper, where we're talking about shower sex and specifically anal sex and shower. You can get anal or dildo attachments for shower heads and that and means you can clean it better. But you don't want it to be too cold and you don't want it to be too hot if you are exploring in that way. And also it would probably be a good idea to like invest in silicon lubricant as well to make anything a lot easier, like insertion wise. Again, do foreplay. It is good to relax the muscles. Activating keels and that are very important and can sometimes make penetration anally a lot easier. And I think when you're in a shower, the last thing you want to do is tensing up muscles such as the glutes, the legs and that because you're probably more likely to fall over. And we don't want that. I agree with you. I think you brought up such a great point about preparation. Because sometimes going back to porn, people think like anal sex is like if you're having kind of vaginal penetration. Is something that happens like you, where you just go for it, right? Although in va- even vaginal penetration, you have to have some preparation and foreplay, ideally. But with anal sex, my understanding is that you have to prep with like using different tools and strategies. Some people use their fingers, so it's not something that you can force in shower. But even when you have the preparation, I hear that you're saying that it requires more intentionality if you want to have anal sex in shower. Yeah, and I think it's like so that's become a bit lost actually over the past few years because like now I've been like doing this as a career for over ten years now, and I've noticed particularly for people who identify as men who have anal sex, we don't talk as much about foreplay for it as we used to, and we're getting more people report like issues of like discomfort, pain, and possibly like injuries as well. And I I think it's just important to remember that foreplay. It's, it's okay to have foreplay. It's important. Even if you are just exploring anal sex, it's good. Now to wax play. Another exciting sexual novelty offers an exotic blend of sensory experiences, warm sensation, even a slight edge of pain, all combined to create an erotic adventure. It can be an exciting way to step outside the comfort zone but must be approached with the utmost care and attention to safety. Wax play involves dripping heated wax onto your partner's skin. It can be a very exciting form of temperature play, which relies on the body's response to hot or cold sensation. It brings an element of surprise, anticipation, and suspense, as the recipient never knows exactly when or where the hot wax will drop first. While wax play can be a thrilling experience, it's also an advanced form of sensation play that requires a lot of trust and communication between partners. It's essential to have a throughout discussion about comfort levels, boundaries, and safe words before you begin. To give you more guidance, we have a snippet from our episode with Miss Couple where she discusses kindling with candles. This excerpt is a wonderful primer on the art of wax play and will provide you with practical tips and safety measures to consider. I would just recommend starting with like a warm oil massage. 
which produces many of the same sensations and allows them to get comfortable before diving into all that safety information. But usually the novelty and the excitement and of that activity and like the opportunity for creative expression or even just the eroticism of it is what wakes people over and they really invest into learning and mastering those elements of safety. But I, I would say your primary like TLDR list of safety precautions would be definitely avoid wax anywhere on the face or piercings or on the genitals unless you really know what you're doing. But I think a lot of porn displays that, but those people have studied and know which parts of the anatomy are safe and which ones are not. Make sure that you're using candles that are at a particular burn temperature. Not that you're going to go using a thermometer, but you want to use either pure paraffin or pure soy candles, something that burns between 110 and 130 degrees. And also pay attention to the fact that the temperature varies based on how close or how far from the body the candle is. But you can buy candles specifically for wax, like from a sex toy store or on Etsy. And those candles are made by people who are experts and really know what they're putting into their products and how to make them safe. They don't have chemical additives or perfumes or dyes like the jar candles that you would buy at the store. And always, you know, like when you're dyeing your hair, you do a test patch first. So, you know, burn, burn the candle on, and pour it on your own arm from two feet or six inches, actually both, I would say, to get a feeling with the range of heat. And because when you're, when you start to do it and get excited, it becomes compulsive and you might lose sight of, you know, how close the candle is. It's something to really pay attention to. So definitely test it on yourself first and have a warm or a cool cloth uh, with water and then maybe a bowl of ice nearby, which can also be used for other sensation play, but also to cool the skin in case of burning. Another facet to explore in your sexual novelty journey is the realm of sexual positions. Now, this may sound rather basic, but trust me, there's a lot more to this than meets the eye. You can greatly intensify your sexual experience and achieve more powerful orgasms by varying your sexual positions and adding a few tweaks here and there. A sexual position can impact the kind of stimulation you or your partner receive. For instance, the depth of penetration, the angles in which you stimulate each other's erogenous zone, even the amount of physical exertion involved, all of these vary from one position to another. Changing positions can add a fresh spin to your intimate moments and even help you discover new sensations. As a matter of fact, one of our previous guests, Dr. Amir Marashi, shared his insights on the best sexual positions for orgasms in episode 308 of the Sexology Podcast. Dr. Marashi's research on sexual positions and how they can improve orgasms offer a treasure trove of knowledge. He also discussed how sex toys can enhance these experiences, opening up new dimensions of pleasure. To enlighten you further on this, let's revisit this conversation I have with Dr. Marashi, where he talks about the science behind sexual positions and how to optimize them for maximum pleasure. This is a research that I did with Dr. Lavi and the, what we are doing, we're trying to see which sexual position is the most rewarding for female. And 
in reality is that, first of all, every person is different, but the way we wanted to define it, bringing kind of science back to bedroom, we said, well, we got to see in which position the clitoris basically gets most engorged. And so we did Doppler studies and we did ultrasound of the clitoris. And this is something that's, I mean, there are a couple of studies that they looked at clitoris with ultrasound, but we defined we have the first protocol, which are ultrasound. And they did it for different reasons. First of all, initially, I started looking at victims of female genital mutilation, wanted to really find out what's left, what's spared for the surgery. The other thing to make labioplasties safer, because, you know, a lot of labioplasties, 50% of labioplasties I do are actually repairing a botched surgery. So I wanted to kind of make sure we look at everything. We have less bleeding. We try to locate nerves even. We should come up with a protocol to look at them with ultrasound. So now that we could look at the clitoris with ultrasound, well, we started going crazy. We did so many different things, but one of them was that. that that's the one that got the most amount of attention. And so two models here, basically uh, different days, different positions in intercourse. We scanned before, during, and after of the clitoris of the female partner. And uh, of course, the best, as you were thinking, is the position that supports the angle. So you have the most amount of contact and the stimulation of the clitoris. So face-to-face, of course, missionary was the best. And even to make it better, was when we put a pillow underneath the buttocks of the female partner. So imagine the angle is downwards already, you put a pillow and you make it more downwards. So even if your male partner is blind, it's like literally rubbing against all the nerves in the front wall of the vagina. So that's what's very good. Only thing is that a lot of guys are asking me, oh, are you sure? It wasn't the doggy style. So we need just position. I'm like, yeah, for the guys, probably for, for the, for the dude, it was, but, and you know what? You keep even that position is a great position for some woman, you know, because it's a position a lot of men like it. They see, you know, anus, they see the bottom of the woman, all of those. So to them, visually probably is good, but it was the least rewarding in the matters of gorging the clitoris. However, let's, Give some attention to doggy style for lack of better words or each has position because it's the position that you have the shortest size of the vagina, which I have super short in this position. It's the only position that most men, even if they have a shorter penis, they can stimulate the cervix. And for people who enjoy cervical orgasms, you know, which is for some people is very uncomfortable, but for people who enjoy cervical orgasm, that's a very good position. But in our research, basically just see how engorged clitoris gets. As I said, the best missionary position with the pillow under the swallow. Now, if you're on the topic of novelty, it's impossible to leave out one of the most exciting elements of modern sexual exploration, sex toys. Yes, they're not just for solo adventures. Incorporating sex toys in your shared intimate moments can take your sexual experience to another level. And you'd be surprised by how much research supports the use of sex toys in couples. Studies have shown that using sex toys can increase sexual satisfaction, facilitate more open communication about desires and fantasies, and even strengthen relationship intimacy. 
They offer a myriad of sensations and experiences that may not be achievable through traditional sexual activities. Whether it's vibrating toys that can enhance clitoral stimulation or couples toys designed to bring mutual pleasure, the world of sex toys is vast and ever-evolving. But let's not forget about the men. There are numerous options for men too, including prostate massagers, cock rings, and masturbation sleeves. We also included the link to some of our favorite sex toys that I have experimented with, and I think they're fantastic in the show notes. If you are looking to get some new toys, those can be some of the great options that we have been using and we love it. In episode 291 of Sexology Podcast, we had Dr. Lauren Walker, who shed light on sex toys for men and couples. She shared some amazing insight into choosing a right sex toy and using it effectively. This conversation could open up a new world of possibilities for you and your partner. Let's listen in on that fascinating conversation. There's so much social conditioning that toys or technology is for women or for people who evolve us. We think about vibrators, you know, that's naturally where we go. But these things, these tools can be extremely helpful for people with penises. Vibration is a fantastic tool. If you've re- experienced any reduction in sensitivity, you may just need something a little bit more intense to kind of get you to that threshold to be able to have orgasms. If you're engaging in activity with a non-erect penis, a toy is a fantastic way to go to help assist with that extra stimulation. So there are a number of different vibrators that are available that are handheld. Some of them are kind of cylindrical shaped, can be placed around the penis to assist with masturbation. Others can be placed between two partners who are then engaging in genital on genital activity, moving and grinding against each other with a vibrator that's just fit between those two bodies. Those are fantastic. Others are constriction ring based. So they're placed around the base of the penis and they can have vibration in them and obviously aid for either partner experiencing that contact with the vibration. So those are some really good options. And a constriction ring can be really helpful too if you're experiencing difficulty maintaining an erection. So let's say you can get a pretty decent erection on your own, but then it doesn't last as long and it starts to go away. So constriction rings are also a really great option there. There is another kind of product that could be really helpful. And in our research, we tend to refer to it as an external penile prosthetic. If you've encountered the sex toy world before, you might call this a strap-on dildo. Okay. Oh, I love Nate. I was like, oh, and what is that? I exactly know what is that. Okay. <laughs> I do need to be marketed differently. Mm-hmm. If you think about a strap-on, you often think about lesbian sex, mm-hmm. right? And if you're a 65-year-old cisgender male, heterosexual male, mm-hmm. you're not really thinking, how could I use that product? Mm -hmm. So if you think about it more like a prosthetic, this is an external prosthetic that I can use because my penis is not able to become rigid. Mm -hmm. Obviously wearing it, you can facilitate penetration to your partner. But many of my patients will say, well, what's in it for me? (laughs) And yes, that's good to be able to please a partner. But also you can buy harnesses that are designed for for people who have penises so that there's actually a opening in the harness so that the penis and the testicles can, or the scrotum can actually be externally accessed so that harness isn't covering it up and making it hard to get to. 
So when you're wearing the strap on or the harness and prosthetic, you can engage in penetrative activities with your partner and then your partner can stimulate the penis. A penis that is warm and wet and tactilely stimulated does not care where it is. <laughs> it feels very much like you're engaging in the same rhythmic motion that you did when you were engaging in intercourse. And you have that multi-sensory experience of my body is engaging in these movements. It feels like intercourse and the penis is being stimulated. All right, here's another great way to introduce novelty and spark in your relationship, role play. For those who haven't explored it yet, you might be wondering what makes it so exhilarating. Well, role playing allows us to step out of our everyday roles and step into a completely different character. This is not only helps to break the boredom in the relationship, but can also help unlock and fulfill hidden fantasies. Think about a scene from your favorite movie or even a steamy scene from adult film that you both enjoyed. Recreating those scenarios can introduce a new dynamic to your relationship and can lead to some very exciting and satisfying sexual experiences. The beauty of role play is that it provides a safe space to explore various sexual scenarios that might be otherwise unattainable or even taboo. In episode 323 of this podcast, we had the pleasure of hosting Amanda Lauder, who provided some fantastic insight in choosing a role play scenario for you and your partner. She emphasized the importance of communication, setting boundaries, and the steps to approach role play in a way that's comfortable for both parties. We also included a link to one of the resources she mentioned, Faithful Fling, that many of my own clients love. So if you're interested to check it out, that also will be in the show note. It's an engaging discussion that I highly recommend you check it out. You know, there's so many different ideas. There's, I have a few different resources that I love to point people to just to get ideas. So there's the book, 101 Nights of Great Sex, that kind of introduces different role-playing things. I love the fantasy box subscription because it'll send you and you can kind of gauge your level of what you feel comfortable with or not. That's a really fun one. There's different scripts that you can find or buy from, there's one called like Sexy Role-Playing Scripts, Couples Edition. There's a website called Faithful Fling that is kind of a way to have a fling, but with your partner. <laughs> so it kind of just brings in those different role plays. But, you know, we we look at classic power dynamics like boss employee or teacher and student or like hotel guest and the maid or a doctor and a nurse or a patient or whatever it is, you know. But even fantasizing about non-monogamy and things that are outside of our value system, that's okay. A lot of times it feels a little scary, but it's also very, you know, exciting to think of things like that. And so what we have to remember is there's a difference between fantasizing and actually wanting to act it out. One of my mentors, her name is Jennifer Finlayson Fife. She talks about how we often act out things that we would never do in real life. Like, you know, we want to act out like cops and robbers, right? Like just because we act out being a robber doesn't mean we're going to grow up and rob people, right? But it's that fantasy and that play and using that imagination that can help help our arousal levels and help bring more excitement to our relationship. 
Last but certainly not least, let's talk about a topic that's often fantasized about, threesomes. For many people, the idea of threesome is an enticing prospect. It's a common fantasy, as research suggests, largely to the allure of novelty, adventure, and the thrill of engaging in somewhat taboo experience. However, like any other sexual activity, communication is key when considering a threesome. It's crucial to have a discussion with your partner before introducing a third person into your intimate space. It's not just about fulfilling a fantasy, but also about ensuring that all parties involved are comfortable and the experience is enjoyable for everyone. In episode 279 of Sexology Podcast, we were joined by Stella Harris, who shed some invaluable insights on how to navigate the world of threesome. From discussing it with your partner to dynamics of cockholding and hot wifing, Stella covered it all. This is definitely a must lesson for those considering stepping into this erotic territory. Even if three people are in a room together having agreed that they are there to have a threesome, people really don't know how to get to start get started. It can feel really awkward. So I often suggest icebreakers just simply saying like, you know, may I kiss you and just getting the ball rolling that way because once people are doing it, they remember how sex works and it usually starts snapping into place. But no, it doesn't, you know, it's not prescripted porn. Everyone doesn't just, you know, magically on the dot, like, oh, it's time. We're all going to fall into bed. You you have to have conversations about all of that and make sure that everyone is there for the same reasons. And then, yeah, have those little icebreakers, you know, asking, you know, hey, it would be really hot if you both gave me a massage at once or I would love to watch you two kiss you know, something like that, you know, starting tame, not not immediately everyone rips all their clothes off, but just getting used to all three people being close and seeing how that feels. Absolutely. And I would imagine there are going to be some discomfort, as you said, at the beginning. But when you get into it, there are going to be things can be natural. But I had clients that they ask about positioning. How do you position it for a successful experience for everyone? Obviously, it's very different to couples, your interests. Like, you know, it's, it's like asking, how, how does sex work? <laughs> it can work in so many different ways. But what are some of the suggestions you have around that? Yeah, I have a whole index of positions because people are so curious about this. But for starters, you're right. Basically, anything you can do with two people, you can add a third person to. One of the easiest is often, you know, if two people are just doing whatever they want to do, and the third person is sort of laying next to them, taking turns, kissing each of them, stroking their bodies. That can be a really easy one. Sometimes it can help if folks sort of agree to take turns. Who's the center of attention? You know, so one person can even just lay on their back on the bed and the other two can use, you know, hands, mouths, toys, anything like that on that person. Often, you know, depending what what genitals you have in the room at any given time, you know, a lot of times people think sex is PIV sex. And that is actually the sex that is least conducive to adding a third person. So it can be really helpful with threesomes if if you do get a more flexible definition of sex. Doing a lot more with things like hands and toys, that makes it easier for three people to be included at once. And there are some sort of standard threesome sex positions. If, if, if your idea of a threesome is everybody's genitals are involved at the same time and, you know, this could lead to an orgasm for everybody, which I think is kind of setting yourself up for some disappointment, but I know that that's where a lot of people potentially want to go with it, is finding a way to slot a third person into 
a standard two-person position. So if two people are, you can have basically two people having a missionary style position and then a third person behind penetrating the person that's on top. And this, again, can work regardless of genders and genitals. And another common one would be if they're sort of doggy style, the person who's bent over could also be performing oral sex on the third person. So something like that, if you really want everybody in the thick of it at the same time. And that brings us to the end of exciting journey into uncharted erotic territories. I hope this episode had inspired you to try out something new and in the process, spice up your intimate relationship this summer. Remember, novelty and curiosity are the spices of a passionate sex life. Before you embark on your adventure, don't forget to download the PDF link in the show notes. This comprehensive guide, which is usually part of our paid program, is a token of appreciation from us to you. It contains a sexual bucket list with a variety of suggestions and activities you can try out. It also includes some resources to help you navigate your exploration and confidence and pleasure. As always, if you have any question or if you like to share your experience and ideas, we love to hear from you. Drop us an email or connect with us on our social media channel, specifically on Instagram. I check all of my direct. You can find us at Sexology Podcast. Until next time, here is to creating an unforgettable summer filled with passion, playfulness, and erotic discovery. Stay safe, stay curious, and don't forget to have fun. This is your host, Dr. Nazarin Baali, wishing you an erotically adventurous summer. Until next time, keep the passion alive. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.